You're listening to the GNU World Order episode 347. My name is Klaatu. I'll be your host today. As as always, really, I'm always your host. Hey, I'm hoping that you are staying safe and healthy out there as you're listening to this show. And if you're listening to this show far, far into the future, I'm saying that specifically because there's a pandemic going on right now on planet Earth. It is affecting pretty much all continents, with the exception possibly of Antarctica. I haven't looked that one up, but it's not very good and we're hoping that everyone plays it safe and smart and minimizes contact such that the virus afflicting the planet Earth right now sort of dies down, goes away. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some commands. These commands you may or may not have installed on your Linux machine. It depends. I'm running Slackware, so they come pre-installed on that. If they're not on your uh, Linux distribution, they're certainly available in the software repository. So anyway, the command that I'm I'm talking around is cgmanager, and that has everything to do with cgroups, which has everything to do with namespaces, kernel namespaces, which has everything to do with containers. Now, containers are a big deal right now. Love them or hate them, they're a hugely important part of IT. They're a hugely important part of development. They're everywhere. And that's, that's they're a huge part of the cloud. And, and the reason that that's really important is because it's, it's if you're getting into Linux systems administration or any kind of systems administration, if you're getting into that sort of computer-based uh, sort of development or maintenance realm, uh, not hardware-based, uh, but the software side of things, then you need to know about containers. And very, very briefly here, containers are simply, they are relegated, and you can go here, you can go listen to episode 13x39, that's 1339 of GNU World Order, right here on GNU World Order. Go listen to that one for, for information about the nsinter and the unshare command. I kind of touch on namespaces, well, I very much touch on namespaces and on on uh, not really C groups, but sort of in that episode. And then if you want to hear even more about that topic, you can he- go listen to 2934 of Hacker Public Radio. That's HPR 2934 for Server Basics 106, Namespaces and Containers. I haven't heard that episode in a while myself, so I, I, I'm not exactly recalling what I covered, but it's something that's I do cover it. I talk about it. I don't remember if I do like a full tutorial or not, but yeah, and I'll I'll put links in the show notes for for even more information about it. But it's a big deal because right now, well, particularly right now, actually during this wonderful global pandemic that we're going through, um, there's more demand right now on the internet than or or on on several services on the internet than anyone expected all at once, and so there's a need to scale out. And what that means, I mean, there's there's this concept of scaling up, right? And that is when you have, you, you pay, I don't know, uh, uh, 50 bucks a year or something for a server. And you you put a website onto it. Maybe you have a little app, a little web app, you know, a little Python app or something that, that processes some information on, on the server. And you think, well, this isn't going to be a big deal. Like three people are going to use this plus me. It'll be fine. So you put it on a cheap little server server somewhere and it goes online and suddenly 50 people start using it. So you think, okay, well, I really need to scale this up. So you scale it up to to handle some kind of maximum number, some maximum expected number of, of concurrent uses. 
but the problem with that is that is that a computer can only do that so much. I mean, like one server can only be so fast, right? At some point, you you reach the capacity of that server's throughput. Like it could have twelve different CPUs into in it, and and terabytes and terabytes of RAM, and and an SSD drive. It could do all those things, but at some point, you reach some kind of maximum response time for for that for that application. So the idea is to scale out instead, and that means that you have the big beefy computer or several big beefy computers, and you kind of chain them together, and then you say, okay, that's my cloud. My cloud has that much computing power. I don't care really which computer shoulders the load of any one task, just as long as when I throw a task at it, a computer knows to put up put up its hand if it's available and process the information. And then at some point, your little 50-person website starts getting 100, 200, 600, 6,000 hits all at once. And you think, well, now I've got problems because I've got... I've got this application that lots and lots of people want, and there's just one running instance of the application, so th there's a certain limit to what that can do. So in containers, what you would have done is you'd put the application in a container, and that container is a minimal, bare-bones replica or, or instance of a Linux system, and that container believes that it is a Linux con uh, system. And you remember this from the... 1339 episode about NSinter and Unshare and all of these things where we we launched a process and we looked at the we, we asked the process what its what its process ID was, what its PID was, and it reported that its PID was one. Well we knew that wasn't possible because PID one is reserved for our init sequence, the thing that boots our computer. That's the first process, right? That's the the, the process ID of one is that initial action of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm turning everything on right now. I'm powering up. So the container believed that its process was the very first process, and that's because it didn't know it was running on a big computer. It was a container on top of our, or running inside of our actual physical tower. So containers believe that they're independent functional servers, even though they're actually leeching a bunch of resources off of this bigger machine or this bigger array of machines. As a result, you can kind of get a benchmark for how many users your application can can reasonably handle. Let's say 50 was actually a pretty good, that was kind of a sweet spot. So every 50 users, you could spawn a new container. That no one would know that a, a new container had spawned. To them, they just go to a URL and they get all of the the data that they're asking for but on the server it's just it's spawning lots and lots of little temporary ephemeral as they call them virtual computers which aren't virtual computers at all they're they're actually just a collection of processes bundled together within one namespace and we call that a container okay so that's that's a container that's the container thing that you'll be hearing about for the next long while and the reason I'm mentioning all of that is because CG Manager, CG Manager from uh, LinuxContainers.org/cgmanager is a central privileged daemon that manages all the C groups on your computer for you through a simple Dbus API. It works with nested LXC containers. Those are just Linux containers. That's the generic 
container technology that was developed and pioneered before, well before things like Docker or Kubernetes or any of those projects, sort of, or OpenShift got developed to to sort of add on and, and leverage that technology. LXC containers are are the 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 raw sort of pure technology. It's 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 pretty rough. You don't want to not rough. It's um it's pretty bare bones. I don't I don't feel like most people want to use LXC directly. I will I am I, I believe we'll have a tutorial on LXC here on GNU World Order eventually because I'm pretty sure it's a it's a thing that came pre-installed on Slackware. So we'll hear more about that later. But for now, we can we just know that CG Manager along with NSenter and Unshare works together to sort of manage namespaces and C groups so that containers can be created and managed. CG Manager specifically is designed to work with nested LXC containers and to be able to accept unprivileged requests including resolving user namespaces and UIDs and group IDs. That's important because a container, remember, it thinks it's the only computer out there. And so if it tries to do something on your host system, then it looks like a completely different user to your host. And so you have to manage, manage permissions to kind of remap user IDs so that, that one user has permission for a container to access specific uh, parts of your host computer. That's very much by design. It doesn't... Typically, you don't want things from your container dipping out into your host. That that ruins the point of it being a container. But there are places where you kind of need to create little portals, as it were, so that, that certain uh, information can be accessed. So CG Manager is the daemon itself. It runs on your host system. Mine starts up at boot time, CG Manager. I, I, I see it every every time I boot my Slackware computer because it is really, really late in the boot process. It comes up uh, on the same screen as my login prompt. Like I, you know, in the in the text that's scrolling by in that console as you boot up, if you don't have something like Plymouth or a, a, any kind of fancy boot um, software like that, you see the text on your screen scrolling on by, and CG Manager I see every day because because of that. It's it's late. It's late in the process, and when it finishes, the not the next thing, but but pretty shortly thereafter is my login prompt. It mounts C Group FS, so that's a file system for C groups, into a separate mount namespace such that it's invisible from the host. It binds slash sys slash fs slash cgroup slash cmanager slash sock for incoming dbus queries, and generally happens all clients running directly on the host. I feel like we don't don't normally delve that deeply into demons, into demonic territory, but in this case I think maybe it's worth taking a look at what's happening with CG Manager, the daemon, and then we'll take a look at CGM, which is the accompanying command that kind of helps you navigate CG Manager. So if you do an ls on slash etsy slash rc.d, you'll find a startup script called rc.cgmanager. That's on Slackware. Again, if your distribution keeps its startup scripts elsewhere, then you'd have to look there. But that's where they are on Slackware, slash etsy slash rc.d, and then there's an rc.cgmanager. So I'm going to do a less on that. And you see that there's a start function and a stop function and a restart function, and that's about it. But you might notice that there's also references to a thing called CG Proxy. Now, CG Proxy is 
CG manager for something that's already in a container. So if you think about, or, or in a namespace technically, I'm, I'm really, in this episode, I'm going to be using namespace and container very, very sort of leniently. I'm going to be kind of blurring that line between a namespace and a container. They're very, very strongly related. They're not the same thing, but because most of this usually ends up in a in, because you're doing stuff with containers, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to say container a lot more than maybe technically accurate. Be aware of that and we'll have no problem. So CG Manager, if, if that has launched on your host system, then it's the CG Manager, right? So if you then fire up a container running inside of your host, you wouldn't want another CG Manager running inside that container because then you would have two CG managers. That seems like a bad idea. No ship wants two captains. So instead of having a CG manager on both the host and the container, you would do a CG manager on the host and then the the thing in the container fires off CG proxy instead of CG manager. So CG proxy simply, I mean on, a te- on the technical end of things, what it's doing is it's detecting when something is being sent from the container to the host it catches those requests and does some translation through the Linux kernel uh, of like task or user IDs or group IDs and things like that so that they actually make sense on the host system. Because remember, all of the process IDs in a container are wrong. They make no sense to the host system. No, no container, you know, no, nothing should report back that it's process ID 1 from a container because process ID 1 is always the init system. So it wouldn't make no sense if, I don't know, TCSH, as we used as our example in episode 1339, reports, you know, call, makes some kind of call back and identifies itself as PID1. That wouldn't make sense. So CG proxy, CG manager, they make those, they, they make that sort of thing, uh, sort of understandable by your host. Okay. So another thing that CG manager does is that it mounts a file uh, within a file system the control group interfaces and I'm trying to think of the best way to introduce that concept I think the easiest way possibly would be to actually look at uh, ls slash sys slash fs for file systems and if you kind of look in there you see that I've got butterfs I've got ext4 I've got fuse I've got xfs oh here's c group so let's let's look at C group. And then in C group I get a bunch of other stuff. I've got block IO, CPU, CPU set, freezer, memory devices, CG manager, PIDs, and so on. What these are is controllers. They are controllers for C groups. And we can we can get those values with the CGM command as well. So if you do CGM and then space list controllers and hit return, you see the exact same list. Block IO, CPU, CPU, ACCT, CPU set, devices, freezer, memory, and so on. Why do these things matter? Well, they they probably often don't matter to you in practice, but they do kind of matter because this is where your containers are going to end up being managed. I almost said live, and they don't really live here, but this is where they kind of hang out. So, we can see this in uh, with we, we can we can actually test this out, and as my little test environment, I'm going to launch a separate X term. And if you're if you are literally following along, you would want to do that as well because we're about to to mess around with with the host system a little bit, or or actually we're not, but 
but we're going to mess around with the, the the terminal that 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 is being run. So I mean, actually, honestly, you know what? We could even do this. X eyes instead. X eyes, um, and then ampersand there. Now we've got a instance of X eyes, and X eyes is just a silly little graphic that follows your mouse cursor around. That's all it does. So what we'll do first is we'll do a PID of X eyes. That's P I D O F space X eyes. And it looks like on my system right now it's 14310. 14310. Okay, so we'll remember that. I'll even copy it to my key my clipboard because I'm sure there's no way anything would ever copy over that. Okay. So, uh first thing is actually let's look at the CGM man page again because I'm taking the example pretty much right out of that. And this is we're going to create a new a new controller, uh, rather a new C group, sorry, that's available to all of the controllers. So we'll do sudo cgm create all. So that's uh, create for all controllers and then a new C group. And we'll call the C group penguin. Okay, and now we've created a C group. You can verify that with ls space dash dash recursive space slash sys slash fs C group return. And you'll see that on in this list of, of everything in sysfsc group, there is now a subdirectory in each controller space called penguin. So that's our C group. That's the C group that we've just created directly with CGM. Next up, we'll do a um, we'll do a CGM pseudo CGM. Uh, actually, before we do that, I need to do an ID. So get your user ID. Mine is uh, let's call it a thousand. And your group ID. I don't have a group ID. I mean, I do, uh, but I don't have a dedicated one for me. Uh, a lot of systems automatically create, like, if you're Clatu at user ID 1000, then your group ID is 1000 named Clatu. I don't have that. I use Clatu as my, as my user. I have a, an ID, let's call it 1000. And then I have a group ID called users, and that is 100. That's just the default Slackware users group. So, Knowing that information, we can do a sudo cgm chone all penguin, uh, and we want to chone it to 10, 0, 0, and 10, 0, 0. So 1,000 and 1,000, or, or in my case, 100. Okay, and that works. So next up is, do we remember what the PID is of our uh, size instance? Yes, we do. It's in my clipboard. Okay, so then we can do cgm move PID all penguin and then paste in the PID, 14310. Okay, so this this instance of XIs that I launched on my host system is now contained. It is in a container. It, the, the C group, or I shouldn't say it's in a container, sorry. It is not in a container. It is in a C group. It's in a control group. So all of its PIDs, all, all one of them, have been moved into this new namespace on my in, in the Linux kernel uh, system called Penguin, and from here you can do things. You you can use the controllers of CG Manager to your advantage. So the easiest one to to notice, I guess, is uh, freezing the application. So this is a little bit akin to you know if you've run a bunch of virtual machines or or in GNOME boxes or libvirt, then you'll know that you can pause a machine. You can just pause it. It's just like, you haven't put it to sleep, you haven't hibernated it, you've just paused it in time. That's a very handy trick. It's something you can't do with a real computer. You can't just put a pause on time in real life. You can do that with, with 
containers or C groups. So the way that we do that, it says in the man page, is we can do CGM set value freezer. You'll, you might recall that there is a freezer controller. So we're not doing set value all. We're doing set value freezer penguin freezer dot state, and then we're going to type in all caps frozen. F-R-O-Z-E-N, all capital, capital letters, and then we'll hit return. And that failed because I forgot the sudo. So do sudo CGM set value freezer penguin freezer dot state frozen. And that one works. And now if I wiggle my mouse around, you know, right in front of the excise instance, um, excise just doesn't respond. It doesn't, doesn't move. The eyes do not move. It's, it is frozen. Okay, so there's a couple ways to unfreeze something, and I'm going to use unfreezing this as a demonstration of of what this is all talking to. So, for instance, um, if we, I mean, certainly we could do sudo cgm set value freezer penguin freezer dot state thawed t h a w e d all caps thawed. Then it would it would unfreeze. Excise, and you can try that on your own if you want. It'll definitely work. But I think it's more interesting to kind of take a look at, at where all of this happens. So if we do an ls on uh, slash sys slash fs slash c group, and then you guessed it, freezer. We look around in there. We see that there is a penguin group, and in penguin, there's a value called freezer dot state. So if we look at freezer dot state, uh, if we actually cat freezer.state, then it's it, right in there. It says it's um, it's frozen. That's what it says. Why? Because we set it to frozen. So how do we unfreeze this? Well, we could certainly do a, an echo thaw into that same file. That would that would thaw it out. the The problem there is that if you do if you do look around a little bit ls-l in sys fs c group freezer penguin. The um, the files that got created there have not been created as Clatu users. They've been created as root root, and that's partly because of the, you know there's not the um, there's not a permission structure for doing all of this stuff directly through CG Manager. So a lot of the commands that we were doing in order to access the the directories that things needed to be in sort of had a um, a default value of root root ownership. So that we we would need to override that in order to to overcome that directly ourselves and we could do that we could just su and then put in the root password for your machine if you've got a root password uh, otherwise you can do a sudo su put your sudo password in and then you can do things like echo thawed redirect slash sys slash fs slash c group slash freezer slash penguin slash freezer dot state and then you can see that the excise has unfrozen. So that's um, that's the ability to freeze things via a controller, with or without CGM. But either way, whether you're using the CGM command or whether you're just utilizing the, the that file system structure, you're using you are you are um, talking to the the infrastructure built by CG Manager. That's I think everything that CG Manager, that, that I want to say about CG Manager. There are other functions, but I feel like that gives you an idea of what it actually does. And as with a couple of different commands that we've looked at so far, that one's a lot less about using it directly and more about setting up an infrastructure so that other tools can leverage uh, the ability to, to do cool things.
it's it's very much not a thing that you're going to use on a daily basis probably i mean I, i'm not saying it's never done there are people who do use lxc directly they use cg manager directly and so on i'm just saying there are better tools for it at this point there's pod right uh, not pod right there's podman there's um the well OpenShift. there's kubernetes you know there's all these tool there's a whole stack now on top of namespaces and c groups and containers that would that that leverage all of these low-level commands in ways that that automate a bunch of these things so that you don't have to uh and that's uh, i mean you could you could tie all of these together yourself in shell scripts you know and make it make it easy but you'd just be kind of repeating a bunch of work that everyone else has has taken care of by now still good to know about though i think i think you'll agree so the next command is cups that's a huge command i mean it's not it is a huge command but i mean really it's a it's a it's a package full of other commands, kind of like one of those, uh, what was it, CDR tools. So I don't want to get into the cups right now because I, I don't want to break it across two episodes because I, I think it could be a good resource to have all of the cups information in one in one go. It's a fun topic. I really do think it's it's um, it's a lot more fun than it ought to be because I really hate printers. But I have a bit of a history with cups, and so it's kind of worth kind of worth covering talking about what I know, what I don't know, and uh, hopefully demystify it a little bit for anyone who's not quite clear about what CUPS is or what it does or how it does what it does. So let's just delve into that next episode, which means that I'm going to abandon you for your cup of coffee. Yes, we're going to have a coffee break and I'm not going to come back. But don't worry, I will be here next week. Same time, same place, all that stuff. Um, But we're just going to have coffee apart this time. And that's fine. That's okay. Sometimes that's healthy. Uh, particularly during a global pandemic. So go get yourself a nice cup of coffee, stay within your bubble, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.
president is an utter moron.